This episode of With Love and Justice for All is brought to you by Bliss Books and Wine. Bliss Books and Wine is an independent black-owned bookstore for wine enthusiasts and book lovers. Listed as one of the black-owned bookstores in America that amplify the best in literature by OprahDaily.com, Bliss Books and Wine is your go-to for all your favorite titles, including ebooks and audiobooks. And when we buy from black-owned businesses, we are helping to create a world of racial equity. When ordering online, use the code 846BOOK for a 10% discount. That's 846-B-O-O-K for a 10% discount at blissbooksandwine.com. In order to advance racial equity, there is work for white people and people of color to do together and separately. The Project Sanctus Affinity Groups provide safe spaces for people to work within their own racial and ethnic groups. Join us every first and third Wednesday of the month at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Zoom for brave, vulnerable conversations and for building culture through engaging embodied practices. For more details and registration, visit ProjectSanctus.com. Exploring the healing and culture-building practices of embodied anti-racism. This is With Love and Justice for All with Reverend Ogan Holder and Reverend Kelly Isola. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of With Love and Justice for All. I'm Reverend Ogan Holder here with my partner in consciousness and crime. I usually do it the other way, crime, consciousness, and co-creation. Yeah, let's get the order right. Uh, Reverend yes, Kelly. Yes, because, yeah, got to start with crime, mixing it up, making this, trouble, good trouble. I'll start with the crime. Uh, and, <laughs> that uh, sounds terrible, doesn't it? <laughs> it does, kind of does. And today we we have a special guest with us. We wanted to talk about anti-Semitism because apparently it's all the rage again. Um, but we thought it might be best to bring in someone. Or still. Who, <laughs> still. You're right. You're right. Still. Uh, and uh, never, never went away. Never, <laughs> never, never went away. Uh, and we thought it'd be important to bring in someone who is, I guess, more of an authority on the subject than than I know I will ever be. And Kelly pretty much knows everything. So she probably is no. pr- pretty good authority, too. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, but the voice you just heard is is my friend, uh, Rabbi Eli Friedman. How are you today, Eli? I'm doing wonderful. It's great to be with you both. Really, awesome. Uh, awesome. Thanks for having me on. You are more than welcome. So I know Eli from being, uh, he was one of the frequent guest um, rotating co-hosts on my other podcast, Pub Theology Live. Um, so I thought, and he, you know, he's not just funny, but he's a, he's a good beer drinker too and makes his own beer. So, I mean. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. What other reason do you need? One of the one of the foremost leading experts on um, rabbinic attitudes towards beer, as seen in the Babylonian Talmud. Nice. I'm more of an expert on beer than I am on anti-Semitism. But being a, being a Jew my whole life and a rabbi, I got a few thoughts on it. So there you go. Yeah. There you go. Uh, so before we jump in the conversation with with uh, Eli, just a few reminders uh, for our listeners. 
Um, get signed up for some things that we're starting at the beginning of the year. We're doing our book study on American Detox, the myth of wellness and how we can truly heal, where we kind of look at how the wellness industry has really been propping up systems of oppression and what we can do to help dismantle that as well as really be healthy ourselves. Um, and then we have Love and Rage. That's a, a workshop that we're doing again, a play shop, sorry. Um, that really invites us to re-examine and redefine our relationship with anger, how to love ourselves deeper, uh, decolonize ourselves uh, towards a more wholeness idea of who we are. And finally, we got Do the Work. Um, that's uh, by back by popular demand, an anti-racist activity book uh, that we did before. And, and folks absolutely loved it. And and people are wondering when we're doing it again. Uh, all those dates, all those times, everything you can do to register for those things um, is at projectsanctus.com. They're all in January and February. I'm just going through it quick so we have more time for our friend uh, Eli. Um, if you have any questions, comments, or feedback around our discussion, um, hit them. Uh, you can post in the comments on our Facebook page. We're live streaming this on Facebook as well. If you happen to be watching live, you can do it now or later after the fact. And also call, leave a voicemail. Our number is 413-438-4659. That's 413-GET-HOLY. So um, Eli, is uh, he serves the congregation of Rodef Shalom in Philadelphia. And he was ordained at Hebrew Union College Jewish Institute of Religion in May 2010 after receiving his undergrad degree from Brandeis University. And prior to joining the clergy team, he served as rabbinic intern at New York University Hillel, spent three years of rabbinical school in London, ran the outreach and engagement program at Columbia slash Bernard Hillel. And at Rodef Shalom, he serves their Rise Up Social Justice Initiative. He works with families and young children and young adults. And him and his wife, Laurel, their daughters, Josephine and Nora, live in Kensington, where they enjoy dining out, live music, and home brewing. You didn't dine out this past week because everybody had COVID. <laughs> we, we, we are finally better. We quarantined good. For, uh, for a good uh, about 10 days altogether. I uh, wanted to just make sure to keep everyone safe. Wonderful. Thankfully, you know, being vaccinated and boosted, we're, we're mostly feeling better. If I sound a little congested, forgive me. But the hardest part was probably just the kids being home so much. They are thrilled to be back at school now. And I am bet you were thrilled to have them back at school. <laughs> More importantly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's call it what it is. Uh, so, so part of the reason I remember uh, a few weeks ago, Reverend Kelly said to me, Hey, are we going to talk about the Kanye thing? And I was like, you know, I don't want to give that man any more airtime than we have to. And then Kyrie rolled out with his stuff, you know, uh, from, from, from the Brooklyn Nets. And then Kanye didn't want to be over outdone. So he came back and made things even worse and even worse and even worse. So yeah. I was like, Senate live didn't, oh. didn't help the situation. In my no, mind. Yeah. no, nowhere he shows up. And, and, you know, I don't, don't want to sidetrack us by how sad it is that I feel so many people are platforming him and exploiting him and all that. But um, finally, I said, you know what? All right, fine. Let's let's, let's talk about this um, and let's let's bring in let's bring in someone who I think can educate us even more. So let's let's start at the beginning because I think sometimes this is a 
point of confusion for some folks. So Judaism being Jewish, is it a religion, an ethnicity, uh, just a life culture, philosophy, a, a race, culture, yes. a race? Like what, what is it? Start yes. there. Yes, all yes. of the above. And okay. I think that's, that's an important starting place. I think that's a great point that, um, you know, oftentimes people compare, you know, Judaism and Christianity, these two faith traditions or, and, and it's a little bit like apples and oranges because Judaism is so much more than that. Um, actually, um, first gentleman, Doug Emhoff recently just uh, convened a group of leaders for a White House task force on anti-Semitism, which, um, you know, many of us are really, really excited about what's gonna happen around that. And in his remarks, he specifically said, he said, you know, going to synagogue every week is not what makes you Jewish. And look, I'd love it. I'm a congregational rabbi. I want people to come every week, but he's exactly right. Um, you know, Judaism is very much a religion. Um, we have multiple denominations. Judaism is also a peoplehood. We are, we are called mm -hmm. Am Yisrael, the people of Israel. And when we say Israel, I also want to be clear. We can talk about the state of Israel as well. Israel also refers, is what we traditionally refer to as the, the peoplehood Israel before there was ever a country. Um, Judaism is, is an ethnicity. It is multiple ethnicities, I would say. Historically, we talk about maybe three main ethnic groups of Ashkenazi, Eastern European Jews, which are probably the majority of America. And oftentimes we think about sort of Jewish ethnicity and culture. We might immediately jump to Eastern European Ashkenazi Jews. That's, you know, matzo balls and bagels and locks. But by no means is that all of, all of the, the Jewish um, cultural and ethnic experience. There's Sephardi Jews from, you know, former Ottoman Empire, Spain, North Africa, as well as what we call Mizrahi Jews, Jews from the Middle East, from sort of traditional Arab lands. And, um, and, and Jewish peoplehood is very diverse and different for different folks. And for, for some, it is, it is religious connection. For others, it is that ethnic connection. You know, it can't just be any of them because that would exclude folks. And for instance, you know, if you're, if you're African-American and you, you know, grew up in a, a Christian environment, let's say, but then converted to Judaism later in life, you know, what you're not, you didn't grow up eating bagels and locks. Maybe you did. I don't know, but it wasn't. It wasn't. You didn't do it as as part of a cultural heritage. You clearly don't have that Ashkenazi um, ethnic heritage. But you are just as Jewish as anyone else, and you maybe will relate more to the religious aspects of Judaism. Wait, will um, I will I have to get circumcised? Depends on the movement. Um, if, if, well, if really well, well, let's be clear to have a good list. <laughs> if you're really interested in the reform tell, movement, yeah, tell them which list, which, uh, in the, in the reform know. movement, we do not require it. Okay, uh, thank God. <laughs> but some choose to, some choose to do it. And, uh, even those that are already circumcised that had a circumcision medically, but not for a religious reason may still do, um, something called Hatafat Dambri, where they take a, a drop of blood uh, from the, the site of the circumcision. And that's not that fun either, but um, we don't require in the reform movement. I, I leave I leave everyone's uh, genitals up to themselves. And what's if it's meaningful to you, happy to educate. And that really is one of the keys of the reform movement of which um, I was ordained, okay. of which our congregation is a member of the Union Reform Judaism, which is really about personal choice through through learning, through knowledge. Yeah, so I want to I want to back up a little bit. Um, um, it, it, to you referenced a you know a black person later in life uh you know or african-american later in life converting to judaism and what it what i realized was that um 
how often uh, there's this unconscious, unexamined assumption that if if I meet a, a, a black person or an African-American person and they say they're Jewish, there's this, oh, really? Mm-hmm. You know, um, or that all Jews are white, right? Yes. Um, yes. And I, I think it's a Kelly, it's a great point. Um, you know, I'll say we're we have an urban congregation in Philadelphia. I think we are a little more diverse than others, but some um, some population studies have said up to 20% of the Jewish population in America is non-white, Hispanic, Asian, um, you know, black, whatever else. And so uh, we need to remember, you know, although we often paint the Jewish community as quote unquote white, we're we're not. And for those in the Jewish community that are Caucasian, you know, in terms of their skin. Being Jewish and being white is different. And, and there's a lot tied up in that. And I wanna recognize the fact that, that I am the beneficiary of white privilege in certain aspects. And to the white supremacist marching you know, in the street with torches, I'm not white, I'm Jewish and that's right. different. Um, and so there is a little bit of that, that paradox, which I, which I get. Um, just to jump into it, because we're talking about it, you know, the folks, um, the whole, you know, Black Hebrew Israelites, um, and I, I'm not an expert on the movement by any means. Um, there may be some within that movement who are more moderate. What I've come into contact with have been extremists. Um, I've seen them on street corners in Philadelphia. They've, they've yelled at me. <laughs> they've told me I'm not Jewish, that I am, you know, a faker and all these different things. And um, they are an anti-Semitic movement, um, the, the extremists, at least, among those Black Hebrew Israelites, which claim that no, quote unquote, white, you know, they, they specifically look at Eastern European Ashkenazi Jews, again, the majority of Americans say that they are not real Jews and that they were, there was a mass conversion at some point and that, that these, that those African-Americans are the true, the real Jews, whatever that means. And those are very different from folks in our community who are black, who have converted or were born Jewish or, you know, for whatever reason are a part of our community. So I'm glad you brought that up because one of the things that we've heard both uh, Kyrie Irvin and Kanye West say is we can't be anti-Semitic because we are Semite. We're 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 Jews or 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 we be, we be, we identify as belonging to to Jewish Hebrew lineage, um, the the Black Hebrew lineage. So can we give can you give us a quick like Cliff Notes definition of really what anti-Semitism is? And I remember uh, as we as we were about to record, you you told us you know how to spell it, uh, uh, and so so let's go into that as well. And can can someone can someone be anti-Semitic if they are Jewish? One hundred percent. You can. I mean, there are, you can be an anti-Semitic Jew, right? Just like you could be. You a know, racist black man. Exactly right. A white, or, or, uh, sorry, a white supremacist. The LGBT community. There, you know? there, there, yeah. there you go. A white supremacist black man like Kanye yeah. is clearly demonstrating that yeah. he is. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's it's exactly. Um, so yeah, I don't think it's a fair a fair line. I also think it's um, you know very dangerous and anti-Semitic language to be saying we are you know the black people are are the only true Jews. Um, yeah. it's, it's you know it's erasing all of our history and everything. Um, but the term, the term anti-Semitism um, was coined in Germany, I think, in the, in the 19th century. Previously, this, the, the, the issue with it is there aren't really a Semitic people. That's kind of a made up, you know, 
race is a whole issue. <laughs> we know that, right? It's a construct. But this whole idea of a Semitic people was kind of a false invention by German scholars in the in the 1700s. And the um the the, it's based on sort of a lumping of Semitic, there are Semitic languages, but there's not really Semitic people in that way. And so it really was just a terminology that was used and then first coined um, this term anti-Semitism later in the 1800s, um, specifically to refer to hatred against Jews. It never meant hatred against other Semitic people, which don't exist. It's not really a, you can talk about Yemenite, you can talk about Syrians, you can talk about, you know, other folks from the Middle East, but it's kind of a, it's not really a correct term um, to talk about like Semitism in that way. So really it's not anti-Semitism and that's why the preferred by the ABL, the Anti-Defamation League and other um, Jewish, uh, Jewish leaders and thought folks prefer to spell it as all one word just to say that this is one word that just means hatred of Jews, period. Don't try to break it down because if you try to break it down, it doesn't make sense. And it was it was based on an incorrect sort of false assumption, but we've used it for so long now, we're gonna reclaim it in that way and just call Jew hatred, anti-Semitism, all one word. But it doesn't mean anti-Semitism because then someone would say, well, oh, well, anti-Semitism is also against Arab people. No, there is 100% you know, anti-Muslim sentiment in America, anti-Arab sentiment in America, anti-Asian sentiment, all these other ones, but those are not anti-Semitism. And this specifically refers to one type of hatred of Jews. So I, I want a, a squirrel moment, <laughs> um, you know, kind of go, it's a sidebar. Um, it, it, so anti-Semitism seems, you know, we, we like it's been forever. And, yeah. and, and now it's 2000 you know, years or so. Right. So my question really is, and, and now it's just, we have, you know, an, uh, there's people, you know, in office and very public people that are not that it ever went away, but now it's so like sort of on? making it okay to be in, you know, just out there and, and discriminatory. But my question is, is like, how, and it's probably not, I don't even know how to ask the question, but how did this get started? Like, what was the, the catalyst, like, where does this? Yeah, it's a great, no, it's a great question. So I think it's important to go all the way back. And um, look, I, I, I don't, I don't hold you guys as, as Christian clergy at fault by any means, but it all started with Christianity. Let's be really clear here. You know, let's not beat around the bush. As um, so many things. So let's pause for a moment, Eli, yes. as so many things started with Christianity. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, I like um, I like to say about Christianity, it was a great idea until it became the established religion of the Roman Empire, and it's been downhill ever since. Well, yeah, we don't act, we don't even know if it's yeah, we don't know if it's a great idea because it really hasn't actually been tried yet. That, that, there's that. that there's yeah, there's real, that. <laughs> real Christianity. I hear you, um, and that and Ogan, you got it exactly. It really is with the beginning of you know Constantine and um, Christianity becoming the official you know fourth century, fifth century becoming the official religion of the Roman Empire, where you really see the beginning of of Jew hatred. And people actually forget that um, Judaism actually used to be a, a proselytizing religion just like Christian, you know, certain forms of Christianity, he was evangelizing. We tried to convert people, you know, really? back in the day. And, um, and it stopped at the time of, of Christianity becoming the official religion of the Roman Empire, where it was made illegal 
by the Roman Empire. You couldn't try to convert people. It was upon penalty of death if you wow. converted people to, to Christianity. And obviously very quickly, um, the, it became more severe. And then throughout Christian Europe, of course, we see the Crusades, we see blood libels, we see you know, all of these sort of horrific um, crimes against Jews. Um, what's interesting is though, anti-Semitism really takes a, a, a shift with the Nazis. And um, up until that point, you know, Ogan, you began with what is Judaism? Is it a religion? Is it a peoplehood? Is it an ethnicity? And these are great questions because originally anti-Semitism really was against Judaism as a religion, purely. Um, and if you convert it to Christianity, you're good. You know, even think of during the Inquisition, it was still, you know, it was pretty rough, but for people that converted, I mean, under penalty of death, it wasn't great, but they converted, they were Christians now. And they were, they were no longer, I don't, well, who knows, probably wasn't perfect, but by and large, at least the, the, the theory was that once you converted, you're good, we're not gonna attack you anymore. What happened with, with, with Hitler and with the Nazis and sort of leading up to that point, this whole new definition of a race that was going on in the world is that really it, it became more about this whole idea of blood as well, right? And that, that if you had one Jewish grandparent, right? If you were, mm. if you just had that one, one quarter Jewish, even if you had been baptized Christian and raised Christian your whole life, you were tainted, right? And you were considered Jewish by the Nazis. And so we see a little bit of a shift in that. Um, which is, which, you know, interesting about that is the, the Nazis took their system from American, from America, right? American, and you and know, system of racism, eugenics, the one drop. Thing. Yeah. The one, the one drop thing. And, and I, I, uh, like several months back, like an octoroon, right? I don't, that may be yeah. an inappropriate several months, know, but several months back, I was yeah. here in the, um, the Auschwitz exhibit came through Kansas city. And so I, I went to see it and there was this one huge section that had all these charts to chart exactly what you were just saying in terms of your, you know, genetics and, and where those lines were that you were still Jewish if you fit in this box, this box, and this box, but once you crossed over now, and it was looking at your parents and your grandparents and aunts and uncles, and I was, yeah. It's a lot. I, yeah, it was, I was overwhelmed. The, um, we, what's interesting is I, when I was growing up in the, in the 80s and 90s, um, I never saw much anti-Semitism. And mm -hmm. it's something I've been sort of grappling with recently and thinking about, because you asked this question, like there, there wasn't as much of it in the eighties and nineties, um, even the early 2000s. I'm like, what was going on? Um, one thought that I've heard some people talk about is maybe, uh, well, first of all, it was probably just there all along, but why was it not out in the open? And part of it might be that actually the time I was growing up and even before that, was actually the anomaly. It wasn't that we were like on this mm. road, it was that mm. that was this brief period of maybe 50, 60 years after the Holocaust, there was just such, the Holocaust was so awful, you know, 6 yeah. million Jews being killed that I think maybe the whole world for a brief period was kind of like, oh, whoa. All right, let's hold up on the Jew agent for a little bit. And part of me wonders, you know, there aren't as many survivors around now speaking, right. enough time has passed. Are people starting to be like, oh, okay, we're over it now and now it's okay. And I think the other piece to it that I'm just not gonna beat around the bush and just be really frank is Donald Trump. I'm just gonna yeah. put it out there. Um, and 
look, our, our congregation as a 501c3 nonprofit, according to the Johnson Amendment, doesn't endorse candidates or anything like that. But when someone gives dog whistles to white supremacists very clearly in their remarks um, and has led an entire movement that has um, empowered white supremacists and anti-Semites, like it needs to be called out. And that is something unique that, that folks, you know, have been um, empowered by, by this new radical wing of the, of the Republican, um, yeah, party. The, the MAGA heads. Um, but it's interesting you say that, though, because, and and this may be jumping ahead, but I mean, we are all over the place anyway, so. <laughs> but, but, you know, arguably, Trump, some would say, has been a great ally to Israel. Not so. Arguably. So, so <laughs> arguably. So, so, so let's not let's argue about it, but then, so, so give me some insight into, into that, right? Because we saw during his presidency moving moving uh moving the US embassy to yep. to uh to Jerusalem um and really so so and and being being lauded by Israelites as a great ally um yep. as well so then one say well then he can't be anti-semite if he's doing such quote unquote good for Israel so clear, help help me clear up a little bit yeah. of that confusion. And it, look, his daughter's Jewish. He has Jewish grandchildren. Exactly. You know? um, and I, I don't know. Is Trump an anti-Semite? Who knows? I, and I don't know if it's worth going down there. Has he said anti-Semitic things? One hundred percent. Yes. Yes. Um, it's simple as that. Um, is Trump good for Israel? I don't think so personally. Um, I believe every U.S. administration for um, really since the creation of the state of Israel. Um, has been a wonderful partner to Israel. Um, as someone who is a Zionist, and I can go more into that, and believes in the um, the right of the Jewish people to to sovereignty, to self determination, to have a homeland in the in parts of the biblical land of Israel, um, I believe I've, I've appreciated the U.S. support of Israel. I've appreciated the U.S. relationship with Israel for promoting democracy in the region, for protecting Israel um, against terrorism. Uh, I also consider myself what I would say a reform Zionist, that as much as I love Israel and care for Israel, I also care for the Palestinian people. I believe in the Palestinian people's aspiration for a homeland also in Israel. I believe in a two-state solution. I'm also critical of Israel when Israel um, is not living up to its Jewish ideals. Um, this most recent government in Israel is really worrying. There are far-right extremists that are now part of the government that Netanyahu has sort of made a deal with the devil. Um, who um, who are racist, who are against liberal Jews, they're against Arabs, they're against Palestinians. Um, they are the descendants of Mayor Kahana, who was um, you know, deemed a terrorist by the United States. Um, so it's uh, so I, I, I'm critical of Israel. Um, I think Trump, for those that think Trump was good for Israel, I think it's a little short-sighted in my opinion. And what I'd say is that that um, if you really want to be good for Israel, then you're going to try to help create peace. That's going to be the best thing for Israel is to have peace, which also means supporting the Palestinian people. And it means creating policies that are going to lead to peace. Um, I, I, I don't know if that's what, what Trump was doing. Um, I think the Abraham Accords that happened under Trump were really positive, And I can see them perhaps um, 
creating more peace in the region. Um, I think Trump and Kushner took credit for work that was done by a lot of other people. Um, and they kind of put the, the last stamp on it. Um, but I don't think it's fair to, to really give them full credit for that by any means. Um, Thank you. I, 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 I appreciate what you said about the uh, about supporting uh, Palestine as well. Go ahead, Kelly. Well, it's kind of the follow up question. And for in um, I have a few classmates. I was uh, mostly raised in New York, um, just uh, in Orange County, just north of New York City. Um, right and right in our community was one of the largest Hasidic communities anywhere. Curious Joel. Um, and so there was this odd uh, within, you know, where I grew up and in school. And of course, there wasn't um, it wasn't that Hasidics came to our schools, but out in the groceries, like out in the community, there was this huge, you know, anti Hasidim. And yet also, um, uh, you know, if you were if you lived where I lived, you were either Catholic or Jewish. Like there was no Protestant in between, um, you know, reformed and conservative. So so now I have a few friends from high school that now live in Israel. And so my my kind of my follow up question is, I, um, I, I, I love the answer because I feel more equipped to respond now when when I wind up in conversations about about Israel or Palestine. I just it seems like most people are either you know, the different viewpoints in the US, they're either, you know, all in supporting Israel, or, you know, and we're staunchly support Israel, or they see Israel as the evildoer, you know, or there's, there's this binary thing almost. And, um, and uh, not, it's, I know it's a complex thing, there's not a one answer, I just, I often feel ill equipped to talk about America's relationship with Israel and 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 wind up, you know, in conversations where people think of Judaism as a monolith. Yes. And it's not. It's not. As, you know, as we've shown. So so part of my my I'm wandering around, but part of my question too is um do the beliefs differ among, you know, conservative or orthodox and reformed? Um, you know, or is it an age thing too? I, I think it's it's all of the above. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of look it, within our own congregation. We have a, an Israel group that has really, really divergent views. I think by and large in the reform and conservative movement, which tend to be more progressive movements, you're and reconstructionist, you're going to see more liberal views on Israel, more nuanced um, in the Orthodox world, which tends to be more um, just conservative in general. Um, you're also going to see more conservative views on Israel. Um, but that being said, there are ultra-Orthodox Jews, not Hasidic, but a different sect of Haredi ultra-Orthodox Jews, a specific group called the Torah Carter that you can see protesting in Union Square um, in New York on weekends, on like Sundays, who are completely anti-Israel. But these are ultra-Orthodox Jews. They're anti-Israel because they believe the Israeli state should only come about through God and that human beings mm. have, have meddled in this. So you really do have a wide, um, a wide variety of views. I think um, the, the big point in terms of anti-Semitism with Israel is, and this is sort of a new, typically anti-Semitism has tended to come from the far right, um, from you know, white Christian nationalists, white nationalists, all these sort of ideas. And what we've seen in more recent years has been, um, I would say, uh, anti-Israel sentiment that has turned into anti-Semitism um, from mm. the far left. 
Mm. And mm. It, it's worrying okay. as someone who considers themselves a leftist um, in most of my political views. Um, this is one that that's difficult for me, and um, I think it's I think it's very dangerous. Um, I think sometimes there are like litmus tests put on Jews. You know, um, you can only you know your you, well your congregation can only be a part of our our coalition if you say that you know you you don't support Zionism. Well, that's not <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'd also say that, um, you know, we've seen people, you know, on college campuses, this has been very right, where, you know, it's one thing to have, to have, you know, to be pro-Palestinian, to lift up the cause. It's another thing to be really virulently anti-Israel that, that borders on anti-Semitism. And when, you know, people use the word Zionist as a slur and say, you know, you fucking Zionist. Can I say, I probably shouldn't swear. You, no, you're, you're fine. We do but, it all the time. Um, you know, I, that's not what they're, they're not saying a Zionist. They're, they're, they're saying you fucking Jew. And um, I guess Natan Sharansky, um, I thought put it very, very well when he, uh, Try to draw the line between what is what is acceptable criticism of Israel and what is anti-Semitism. Because I am critical of Israel, um, just like I'm critical of America. Right? I don't say I hate all America or all Americans when Trump was president. Right? I just like when there are people in Israel's government. Um, do I think Israel should be continually building settlements in the E1 area around the east side of Jerusalem as a blatant land grab? No, I think that is wrong. I think that is against international law. I think it's not helping a peace process. I think when Israel goes in and, and demolishes a home of a terrorist and punitively hurts his entire family, even if they had nothing to do with it as a reprisal, that is unjust. Um, the, Israel has done unjust things, just as America has done unjust things, just as Palestinians have done unjust things. And we need to talk about it in that light and understand that none of these countries are perfect. What happens though with Israel is, and this is where it's anti-Semitism, is when Israel is demonized, when there's a double standard. Um, and uh, he, he talks about the three Ds. Now I got to remember the three Ds. Um, demonization, double standard, and um, I want to say maybe like delegitimization. I'll look it up in a sec. Um, but the, the demonization, you know, when we start saying things like um, the, the Israeli army is committing genocide, is committing a Holocaust on the Palestinian people. Well, that's just not true. And that, that's a lie. You can say the Israeli army is setting up unfair checkpoints that dehumanize Palestinian people. And that's true. And that's fair criticism. But don't call it a genocide. Don't call it a Holocaust. That does disservice to the Holocaust and to other genocides because it's really, it's not. Um, I think when you say things, when the UN, for instance, and it's just this past week, the UN um, once again sort of issued the General Assembly a number of um, condemnations of Israel. When the UN in a given year has more condemnations against Israel than Iran, Russia, and North Korea combined, and China combined, well, what's going on there? That feels like a double standard, and that feels like a demonization, and that feels like anti-Semitism. Um, I'm not saying, you know, Israel shit doesn't stink um, because, you know, it does and, and it's not perfect. And I and I will be the first one to be critical of Israel. Um, and um, there has been a lot of anti-Israel sentiment that has become anti-Semitism. Is there um, so I think you 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 nicely articulated when it sort of uh, crosses the line. Um, how much do you hold the media responsible for this? Because, for example, on on social media, um, even from, um, I guess, 
what I would consider legit um, news information organizations, and I don't mean our big like CNNs, NBCs, you know, yes. uh, places places that that tend to do a better job of of painting a, a a better picture, a whole picture, a more people focused picture. Often the the sentiment that I get is. Um, yes, these these are the horrors being um, dealt upon the Palestinian people, and and they seem to share very compelling stories as well. Um, you know, we hear about the the reporter the uh, that that was recently assassinated that was assassinated not that long ago, um, and stuff like that. Do you do you think the media is painting an unfair picture, a one sided picture, um, and and in that regard, is the media somewhat responsible for helping push people from that um, critical of Israel to to anti-Semitic attitudes? I think it depends on the media. Um, you know, even the fact that you said assassinated, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, she was shot by an Israeli soldier. Yeah, it was in the course of crossfire, um, in 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 a in a in a operation to to arrest terrorists. Um, I don't think she was assassinated. I think that right. So like even that alone. Now, should the should the Israeli military have been in that place at that time? Did they need to be using live rounds? Those are all fair questions to ask and to be critical. But even saying the Israeli military assassinated her. Yeah, that. I mean, and so have, and I and I use that and I use that word intentionally yeah, to, yeah, to say that's, that's how that's it's like, being that presented. Feels like media, that feels like media bias to me. Yeah, hundred mm-hmm. um, percent. But we also see it on the other side. I mean, read Fox News. Don't read Fox News, but if you do, I mean, the way Fox <laughs> yeah. News talks about Palestinian terrorists, you know, um, uh, and and refuses to 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 acknowledge when when Israel commits a crime on the other end of it. Um, yeah. I, I think like anything, you know, I try to read a wide variety of news, um, not not Fox News, but at least in Israel, I try to read a wide variety of news um, mm-hmm. to try to get, you know, a, a fair picture of everything. But um, I also think social media can be can be really dangerous around this because, yeah. you know, people will just spread one thing and say Israel commits to it and then everyone passes it along. And without this is nuanced. This is so nuanced. The world right. is nuanced. Right. And and any time we try to simplify things and and um, we create stereotypes and bigotry and this is what happens. I mean, you know, when when Dave Chappelle gets on Saturday Night Live, and look, the fact is, the Jews have a outsized Jews are what two percent of America. Yet, if you look at the number of Jews in the you know um, in the in Hollywood, it's probably closer to ten percent. That's much larger than than we are. That's yeah. an interesting fact. Does that mean Jews control Hollywood? <laughs> no. no, we're only ten no. percent at most, right? That's right. very, you know, do are, Jews are two percent of of America. Are we are we higher in terms of like bank CEOs? I actually have no idea. Maybe, maybe not. Does that mean Jews control the banks? I mean, this is this is crazy stuff. But when and, it, and it's Chappelle, playing into the stereotypes as well. And it plays into the stereotypes. When Chappelle gets up there and says, you know, even joking, but says, I got to be careful. I may, I shouldn't say this because they yeah. are gonna aren't gonna let me say this. Like, dude. Yeah. Like, yeah. 
you're you're just you know I, I get he it. Does, he doesn't he doesn't help a lot. <laughs> you're not helping, man. I mean, he has look. I, I loved Half Baked. I thought that was great. Hell show, <laughs> so good. Like he was really pushing the envelope with that. Now um, I feel like he's kind of just punching down and like with the going going against Jews, going against trans folks. Like, yeah. come on, man. Like that's not what comedy is for. He's, he's, like, don't he's problematic. Against- he's problematic. I'll, I'll be so. the I'll be the first to I'll be the first to to agree with you and say, yeah, that dude is funny. That dude is deep. He's insightful, and he's also very problematic when he says things things like that and and deserve it of the criticism um um for it for it as well so 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 bringing that so kind of bringing it back home a little bit more um for a lot of people you know we've recently like we kind of started this conversation we've seen um you know um Kanye West saying the things he said Kyrie Irvin you know um getting in trouble for sharing that that video um and part of the, part of the thing about the video that he shared which which was the really problematic part i didn't i will admit i didn't watch it i read a lot about it including again things like you know the holocaust really didn't happen and some stereo weird stereotypes like you know jews made packs with the devil and all all that sort of stuff uh in, in there um what what would you say disturbs you most about high profile people like that making those statements, those overtures? And then what's what sort of me, the everyday man, what's what's my what's our role as everyday people? What's what's our role in 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 handling that? Like yeah. how do we how do we combat the misinformation around? I mean, that's it exactly. These people have so much power, right? Kanye has more followers than Jews in America. Wait, wait, say that, say, say that again. Wait, that wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Say that one more time. Let's put this in context. Kanye, at least before, I think he did, was he banned finally? I don't even know. Probably yes, he was banned from Twitter banned, again. Right. So before finally. he was banned, he had more followers than actual Jews in America. Wow. Right? Like you have to understand. Wow. Not a big people. Um, I'm only five, four. No, we're not a, a large <laughs> people um and so the fact is that's hard to combat and and people believe him i don't know why they do i don't know what is wrong with people that they this this cult of celebrity that we've had recently you know that really sort of worries me in general um you know with 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 between trump and herschel walker and i'm like like can't we just get politicians that are like smart or you know, people people that we should be looking up to, that we should be following on social media, that that should be the voices, should be people that are. I want people that are smarter than me to be in these roles. I want people that have had extensive amounts of education and met with lots of people and have broad views in the world. And and we and who are the people that we're looking to? Who are the leaders in our society? Who are putting things out here? They're they're bigoted people who aren't smart is what I'll come down to at the end. They're, 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 they're really, they're small minded. And so um, the fact that anybody would listen to these people, um, I just don't understand that. And I think it is, it is a real problem because you like their music. Great. He's a good, you know, he's a good musician. That does not mean he knows anything about race or religion or anything else in this world. You know, Herschel Walker was a great football player. I don't know. Maybe he was a good, he's probably a good football player. That does not make him good at anything else. Donald right. Trump was, I was about to say a good businessman. He no, was not. No. But even if, even if you want to claim he was, that does not mean he is qualified right. 
to believe anything he says about Judaism, about any of this stuff. And I, I wish people would stop looking to this. And if you want to know about Judaism, there's a lot of, there's a rabbi in, in every major city. There's myjewishlearning.com. It's a great website. I mean, there's so many places available. Why are you looking to this when there's, you know, when there's so much out there? And I think, um, I think we all do have a role in that. And Ogan, I just want to, I want to thank you because, um, and I know you didn't do it for the kudos, but you just posted something the other day that I saw on social media that I really appreciated around anti-Semitism. It was that, um, it was oh, the, the iceberg, yeah, right? The overt With, and the, you know, the iceberg yeah. that, that most of it's underneath, right? And that, that the KKK and, and the white supremacist marching spheres, what we see on top, but it's everything underneath, right? It's the Jews control the media. It's the all Jews are rich, you know? Yeah. I had a woman once, and this is someone who was a, a professor who was visiting from Korea. So this is someone who is smart. It was a, you know, this is a professor and she was in the US for a short time and she wanted to meet with a rabbi because what did she want to know? What's the secret? Why are the Jews all so successful? <laughs> And there's apparently in Korea and other Asian countries, there's this crazy stereotype, right? That all Jews are rich and smart. And there's some secret thing in our Talmud or whatever that like, that makes us all successful. First of all, I'm not very good with money. Um, you should see my bank account. I know a lot of poor Jews. Uh, I know a lot of dumb Jews, um, but it was the most ridiculous thing. And I almost wanted to say to her, um, you know, obviously completely facetiously, when she said, you know, why are all Jews? I said, well, the same reason all Asians are good at math. Like, it is a stereotype. It is so ridiculous yeah. and offensive. And even the ones that are somehow like positive, right? Um, they get spread so easily. And I think- um, Well, we book, smart, book, smart don't, book smart don't always equal street smart. <laughs> that's it. You're exactly right. And, and I think we all have a platform. And as much as we can continue to educate people that, that Jews are just like everyone else, right? And that there's right. no secret cabal or anything like that going on. Well, that was, I'm glad you just said that because one of the, you know, one of the things I, that, that we, um, Project Sanctus and Ogan and I, you know, work at consistently is, okay, what, what can I do? What can we do? Like, so first, there's the education, you know, understanding what anti-Semitism is. And because there is, is um, you know, such an unconscious, unexamined assumption that that Judaism is this monolith, how does somebody, I, I know part of the answer is educate yourself. And how does, how do you support someone or what can someone do to kind of break up their own little, you know, interior um, assumptions about that and yeah. start learning how to not look at it as a monolith. I love that. And I think um, some of the breaking some of the stereotypes, you know, um, Kelly, you talked about growing up near a Hasidic community. And although Hasidic Judaism is very much a, a one part of Judaism, not every rabbi wears a black hat and has payas, right? Right, right. How many times have you seen in every single like caricature, every, you know, New York uh, New Yorker comic or anything. Yes. There's like a rabbi or a Jew. It's that character of the Jew, right? Because yes. who else are we going to make it, let you know that person is the Jew unless we put the black hat and the payas on it? 
And yeah, and a little CT hanging out from underneath the coat. And you're, you're yeah, good, Kelly. You know your stuff. Um, <laughs> be amazing if all the comics like went that detail. But but to say that that of course that is not what you know what the majority of Jews in America look like, or the majority of rabbis. And and I wish more folks would would you know draw the picture of the rabbi to look like Rabbi Jill Maderer, the senior rabbi here at here at Road of Shalom. You know. Um, uh, a, a you know a woman or or how about a how about a black man or how about you know these are all they're all rabbis that look like all these these people and so I think um, in making sure anything we're sharing and anything we're creating it shows that that diversity and that representation I think is a, a really important piece you know I think um, similarly you know Jews aren't all white like remembering that and to mm. lift up those those images wherever we can I'll actually give you know there's some great folks doing this and to share these things like um, David Diggs, um, awesome Jew, amazing musician. Uh, last year uh, came out with a, a, a song for Hanukkah, I Want a Puppy for Hanukkah. It's so <laughs> yes. good, really it's, catchy, yeah. but also it highlights Jews of color. It's so important, right? To, to, to have that, to see that out there, to understand that our Jewish community is not a monolith by, by any means. Um, so I think that's a great, you know, that's a great starting place. Um, there's so many places to learn. You can go to your local synagogue. We're really welcoming um, lots of services online, including our own at Road of Shalom. Road of Shalom. I actually, I actually fairly regularly go to uh, Central New York Central on Friday oh, nights. Oh, they're the best. Rabbi Angela Buckdahl. Again, yes. she's a Korean woman, Korean American yes. woman, who's the rabbi yeah. at the largest Reform synagogue in America, one of the which is probably one of the reasons I feel drawn because it's a woman. Yeah, you know, hundred um, percent. She's amazing, yeah. and so I think I think continuing to get that that diversity out there. I think continually, anytime you know, to speak up. Anytime you hear someone say something, even the even the little things, you know, even the um, the microaggressions, uh, as you mm -hmm. will, to to correct people. Um, because I think you know, just like with with I think women that are working to to um to combat misogyny for um you know for black folks who are working to, to combat anti-black racism it gets exhausting for us and um and i don't want to talk about it i'm always happy to talk with you guys i don't want to talk about anti-semitism i want to talk about all the good things about judaism right and it, it's tiring day in and day out so to have those allies to lift that up in the same way that you know um that i want to be there be there for others is i think i think so important that that allyship just so you well, know i we, think that we were originally trying to get a woman rabbi on here and couldn't arrange it so you were you were second choice I thank think. you that actually makes me really happy to know <laughs> that i do appreciate it you're welcome <laughs> but I, I like what the last thing you just said about there's a lot of great things about judaism and and so i think you know, we need more of that. Like, like, yes, I'm going to post or talk about anti-Semitism. And here's, tell me what those things are. You know, if I'm not Jewish, if it's not my lineage, if it's not my tradition, if it's not my culture, I, even if I was, I say I'm Jewish, but never practicing and never yeah. connected with a community, tell me what those are. Yeah. So Judaism, first of all, is not just like Christianity without Jesus, right? Um, <laughs> and it really is. It is so, it is very different. You know, I think some of the key things um, that I like to lift up around Judaism are, I think, the um, focus on life. 
and the focus on this life and this world that crosses all streams. Um, we are not as focused on the afterlife. We're much more focused on the work we do in this world. Um, I think Judaism is, is really focused on the Hebrew phrase tikkun olam, repair of the world. There's a belief that we are partners with God, that we are co-creating this world every day, and that work of creation is not done. Um, that idea of, of covenant, that we are in a covenantal, it's called brit in Hebrew, that we are in a covenantal relationship with God, and we have that role in this world. Um, I think, um, I think people should know about some of our holidays is so important. And I think especially, um, you know, I, I, more and more I realize that, that whether we like it or not, I live in a Christian country and, um, and, and, and sometimes that's okay. Sometimes it's not when, when lawmakers try to put um, Christian laws on the books that restrict a, a, a person's access to their own bodily autonomy. That's, I get pretty, pretty upset around that sort of um, white Christian nationalist thinking and, and that stream of, of, of Christianity that seeks to, to impose. Um, at the same time, there's more minor ones that aren't a big deal, like equating Hanukkah with Christmas. Hanukkah is a minor holiday in the Jewish tradition. It, it's a great holiday. We love it. Um, but, but it was never the big one. And, um, you know, if you're looking to, to learn about a holiday and, and, and celebrate a Jewish holiday, don't just focus on Hanukkah, right? Learn about Passover. That is probably one of, that is, I don't know, maybe they're all important, but I would say that's in my mind, the most important holiday, right? It's, it's, it's the center of our narrative that, that we were slaves in Egypt, that we were oppressed and that in every generation we must remember that we were slaves because it says this 36 times in the Torah, in the, in the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, which we hold most sacred, that you shall not oppress the stranger for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. That is a core tenet of Judaism, of, of knowing, knowing what the oppressed have gone through and therefore we have an obligation to be that light unto the nations and to do that work. Um, and so, uh, so to look at, learn, learn more about uh, Passover, learn more about Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, the Jewish high holy days that happen in the fall. I think um, celebrate them with your friends, you know, ask to come over to a Seder. I'd love to, love to have anyone over to our Seder next year um, to celebrate those sorts of things. Um, yeah. one, actually, one, you didn't mention it, but one, uh, one of the, the holidays or holy days that I was, you know, first introduced to was um, uh, uh, Sukkot. Another um, great one, yeah. Part yes. of our, part of our fall high holy days, which is sort of our, um, you know, Jewish a um, little bit like Thanksgiving, right? It's a very agricultural holiday rooted in the harvest, where we traditionally uh, dwell in these Sukkot, these booths, these temporary dwellings, reminding us of the impermanence um, during our journeys in Egypt, but also that that impermanence that many face today who are homeless or housing insecure or food insecure. And it's a really powerful holiday. We traditionally welcome people into our, our Sukkot as well. And yeah, it's one of my favorites too, because you get to be outside. I've, I've, helped a, I've helped a couple families build a little, you know, so, tent, like yeah. over the picnic table out back, you know, we're going to oh, have this little, that. little, little booth, so to speak. Yeah. That's exactly, it's exactly. Oh, that's wonderful, Kelly. Um, but that's exactly it, lifting, lifting that stuff up and, and, and learning more about it. Um, I happen to be on a, a random Facebook group that I joined a few years ago that's, I think it's called something like a safe space where non-Jews can ask questions. And mm. it's one of my favorite groups because folks come with like 
the craziest questions and all these Jews jump in and they all sort of put their frame of references. Hey, I'm coming from Orthodox reform background. And then they give their answers. And, you know, there's a, 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 an mm. old saying, you know, um, two Jews, three opinions. Um, we, 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 <laughs> yep. and I guess that's the other thing I'd say that's really important to know about Judaism, that, you know, our entire um, rabbinic tradition is right. So um, the Judaism of the Bible, if you were to read about Judaism, like in the Bible or the Hebrew Bible, um, you would see a very different Judaism to what we have today, because mm. Judaism has evolved over, yeah. you know, over the yeah. past 2000 years with the destruction of the temple into what is rabbinic Judaism. And all Jews, whether Orthodox or Reform, or anything in between are, are rabbinic Jews. And much of those laws have been shaped by the Talmud, which is sort of a, a conversation. And what's beautiful about the Talmud is that it's, it's a disagreement. And they actually always preserve the dissenting opinion. For instance, there's a debate, I love uh, it. Around, there's a debate around Hanukkah candles between uh, these two rabbis, Hillel and Shammai. And Hillel says, start with, one candle and work your way up to eight. Shammai says, start with eight and work your day down to one. And it, it's not that anyone is right or wrong, right? We, we end up going with Hillel, but the fact is Shammai's opinion is preserved in that, in that document. Mm, in mm. And we read that, and we study that. And so also to know, I think, to know that Judaism oh, I love that. constantly arguing and, and an evolving tradition. Yes, that it's not, it's not, not only is it not a monolith, it's not, concretized and crystallized and which has happened happens in in most religions but yeah i just want to be able to to you know if we're talking about anti-semitism and how to respond you know to offer people listening you know be able to answer the question what can i do um so i appreciate all that i think that's beautiful yeah um and and I think that's a great place to sort of to wrap up on on you sharing all the all all that beauty and and rich history and and culture and most importantly practice um, that that practices that have continued for centuries, um, even millennia um, that 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 help define uh, who you who you are. Um, so so thank you for not just being who you are and what you do, but thank you for joining us uh, today and um, hopefully um creating creating a more complete picture and also around knowing that that the 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 your we're all about creating safe spaces and um unfortunately we live in a time where it does not seem like um america writ large is maybe a safe space uh and at the same point in time in in your specific communities and homes and families and and synagogues there's there's much joy there's much love there's much connection there is there is there is safety um and and that's a beautiful thing to see for people that have, that have persevered persevered since probably their inception against right. all odds right that's right and i'll and i'll say that i you know i see so much hope um to say you know the white house is doing some amazing things right now other organizations have stepped up and i'll, I'll just maybe i'll end with um you know, the, um, the the Tree of Life synagogue shooting, mm. which was you know, the deadliest attack mm, in, yeah. on a synagogue in America and the history of America. Um, when that happened, it happened on a, on a Shabbat morning, on a Saturday morning. And I had my phone with me, it was at my office. And um, when I came back from, from, the, from the sanctuary, from leading services, how did I find out about the attack? I found out from, it, from a, a black pastor who was a friend of mine. He was the first one who had texted me and said, Rabbi, I just heard what happened, what can I do? 
And the next day we had a, we held a vigil here at the synagogue that was standing room only. I mean, we seat 1400 in our sanctuary and it was packed. Um, we couldn't even fit anyone in there. And a reporter came up to me and said, you know, how long does this take to, to put together? And I kind of, I looked at her for a second and I said, I mean, the shooting happened yesterday, it's Sunday, like 24 hours. And then I stopped myself and I said, this took years because it's about mm. the people that there, Jews were there, but it was everyone else in the community. It was, you know, it was Mark Tyler from Mother Bethel AME Church who showed up with his whole church. It was, um, you know, it was uh, Imam Muhammad Abdul Alim who came with the folks from Masjid Allah and brought his whole mosque there. It was Kevin Brown from Perfecting Church. I mean, these were the people that, that showed up and um, it's because of those relationships and that's what it's all about to continue. Yeah. You know, this is, it's not the only reason we do these relationships for, for really for all the beauty and the, the, the joy and the learning that comes from it. But to know that that benefit when we have these relationships, these interfaith relationships, that we can count on each other um, and be there for each other and stand up for each other. I, I really have a lot of hope. So, so thank you. Thank you for, for lifting this up, for giving me the opportunity to, to speak to, to, to all the folks out there. And uh, yeah, really just such a joy. And we're about to head into the, the Shabbat, which um, I should have, Kelly, I should have led with that. That's the best. <laughs> Every week we get a holiday. And we get, yes, like, just I know. Holiday. People yeah. Time with family. And, um, mm, I love a good challenge. bread. <laughs> joy, so. That's awesome. Uh, thank you again. Well, for good Shabbos. Yes, good Shabbos. Good Shabbos. Shabbat Shalom. A, a peaceful uh, Sabbath to everyone. Thank you so much uh, for taking the time to to be with us. And I'm, I'm glad we are now in a relationship together as well. Um, so for you guys listening, um, um, if folks want to, I'm assuming you live stream a bunch of your stuff. If folks want to, yeah, yeah. to peek in on. Rodef Shalom. Um, R-O-D-E-P-H-S-H-A-L-O-M, Rodef Shalom, and services every every Friday night at six o'clock, Saturday morning, 1045, and go to our website. So what at what time zone is that? Six o'clock? Eastern, Eastern time. Thank so you. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> I'm not on Eastern, so I always have to ask. Wait, listen, we have a we have a global audience, and now I'm in Atlantic time, so it's a it's a whole yeah. thing trying to line up any appointments with anyone or anything. Um, all right, so yes, folks, uh, go 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 take a peek in um, at, at the stuff that that uh, is happening over at Road of Shalom, and and expand not just your knowledge, but but your understanding, your connectivity, um, and. Please pass this uh, podcast on this episode on to your friends um, who may have some questions around what's going on um, now. And again, as always, we're in all podcast platforms. If you know somebody who doesn't know what a podcast is, yes, I know it's 2022. We're still some people out there. Um, they can listen to us on the old school interwebs at with love and justice dot for with love and justice for all dot podbean uh, dot com ah. uh, dot com. There you go. I I'm getting it. I'm getting there. The brain started like going to all in a minute uh, there as well. And as always, visit projectsanctus.com to see all the opportunities we have for you. Um, and, uh, and to make I, a donation. And to make a donation. That's right. There's that too as well. So until we meet again. Let's get our holy on. Holy on.